feature presentation. <laughs> What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 137 what? of the 108th best. I was going to just say 8th best movie <laughs> podcast in Canada. Wow, those uh, I, tar um, reviews really sunk us. <laughs> I, I was going to restart, but you know what? Who, who cares? <laughs> I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Matt, you're going to LA. I don't know what that intro, uh, yeah, L-A, L-A, yeah, I'm going to LA, uh, as you're listening to this, I'm already, well, I'm either on the way, or I'm just getting ready to go to the airport, so. But his ghost Uh, still haunts this podcast. Future. Um, Yeah, uh, we are both going to be there for a Critics' Choice event um, next week uh, for the premiere of Glass Onion, which should be a blast at the Academy Museum. Um, But I am going a week early to hang out with my wife. And uh, spend some time in L.A. Um, because, Eric, I, you're a madman. I can't do the one night in, one night out <laughs> again. I just I couldn't do it. So uh, we're spending a little extra time in L.A. I'm going to go to Disneyland. Uh, I'm going to see Black Panther Wakanda Forever for a second time at probably um, the El Capitan Theater. I'm thinking about the TCL Chinese IMAX, uh, maybe a couple other things that might be in there. We're going to go see some award screenings at the the Disney lot and other places. So that's on the movie front. And then uh, we're just going to check out a bunch of other random stuff. Nevis wants to check out some of Lisa Vanderpump's restaurants from Vanderpump, Vanderpump Rules, Rules and, and, uh, and the uh, Housewives of Beverly Hills or whatever. So um we're gonna see a bunch of stuff museums kind of wander around i can't wait to get some breakfast tacos uh get some in and out burger um get some duncan get sugarfish sugar oh sugarfish five minutes from our hotel first night we're there i'm getting that little takeout box baby so i'm excited no this so, is this yeah. is the first i mean you, you've been to la before and and, and so yeah. is nevis but this is yeah the longest you've been to LA? Yeah, both of Nevis went when she was 18 with her parents for her 18th birthday. Um, I've been, this will be number three for me. Both two other times were short. So I went for work when I worked at um, an ad agency that shall not be named um, and went for like the long weekend, basically. I think I left like Thursday night and came back Tuesday or Monday. And, uh, and that was like right when the pandemic was happening too, right before dude, like the week before. So it was like March 8th. I went to Disneyland. (laughs) So it was like in March 15th was like March 15th. It was like, don't leave your house for two years. (laughs) It's like, Oh shit. I was at Disneyland. Like, uh, like basically four days before they shut everything down for two years. Um, yeah. So I went and, uh, I saw like three hockey games. I did some work with TikTok while I was there and then I kind of bounced back. And then we went last year, uh, for our in and out, um, little trip for, uh, power of the dog. I believe um, it's called power of the hog. Yeah. And then, um, sure. Uh, which was fun, but a lot um which you are doing again this year so i i applaud you sir um i applaud I, you um, because you are going to have a great time uh you're spending it with uh your second best friend 
just your best friend. Uh, and also, like, it just, it's just—it's one of those—it's no. one of those places where it's just like you need about a week or so to kind of do the touristy kind of thing and kind of just enjoy it, you know, more so than just having to go to an event. Which, again, we're both very lucky and, and grateful that we. Oh, I'm pumped! I've never been invite, to the so. Academy Museum and. Uh, I know they've hosted some premieres before, and I'm pumped for that. Glass Onion's a great movie, so I'm excited to see it again. Um, and yeah, man, like it should be, it should be a good time. I'm excited to hang out with you. I'm excited to hang out with Nevis. Um, as you guys are, as you got, yeah, I will. Um, as you guys are listening to this, uh, the embargo is up for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. We will not be spoiling anything on this show, obviously, but you guys can go check out our spoiler-free review right now over on Untitled Movie Podcast. It's about over 50 minutes of Eric and I kind of dissecting the movie as best as we could while dancing around any major plot points and different things like that. Um, We'll also have a spoiler cast for you guys out on Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or 6 p.m. Pacific. There's already a YouTube premiere kind of thing if you want to say notify me when that goes live and Uh, You guys can check out our spoiler-filled thoughts then. And then on today's episode, we'll also be talking about the press conference, the virtual press conference that Eric and I attended. God, it feels like an eternity ago. It was only about a week ago. But um, I don't – everything's flying by, and it seems like we saw Black Panther so long ago, but it's finally coming out, and I'm excited to see it again because I'm trying to figure out in L.A. where I'm going to see it. Um, But we'll talk about that press conference in a sec. Um, yeah, Eric. So your, my question to you, do I do El Capitan for Black Panther's second, second, second time? Um, or, <laughs> or, or, or do I go to TCL Chinese IMAX? So Black Panther has a shifting aspect ratio to one nine, uh, from, you know, it, it's expanded a little bit only in certain sequences. So it's not like the whole movie or anything. Um, so I could go to the TCL IMAX. Or do I go to El Capitan, which is the Disney-owned theater, uh, which is another old theater in um, L.A. that uh, has like a dude plays an organ and it's all decked out because Disney only usually plays Disney movies there. So um, I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I don't know. My recommendation, El Capitan, because you can yeah. you can watch Black Panther Wakanda Forever in IMAX when you get That's back. That's shit, right? Yeah. yeah. So I feel like El, and I know the uh, TCL IMAX theater is gorgeous as well, but uh, El Capitan good. feels like it's unique in the sense. Again, if you're going to see a Disney movie, I feel like that's the place to kind of go see it in in downtown LA or not downtown. It's in Hollywood, um, yeah, like Barbarian I, and and Strange be awesome. World. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. could you imagine yeah. that? It's like I mean, it is a Disney movie technically. So it, I I'm surprised. I don't think do they ever play 20th Century Fox movies at El Capitan? El Capitan. I can't speak today. I mean, I um, I don't. think think they do on the regular but i'm sure there's always if there's an exception like a lull to the rule because i i would assume that avatar the way of water would be oh, something yeah, that we'll they would play want there. to play there yeah it absolutely will um so yeah um eric how are you are you excited for this trip what are you what are you doing well matt first i want to apologize to you 
because I continually me. cut you off as we oh, stop. Uh, do these, this podcast. <laughs> uh, a, a reviewer uh, pointed this out. And I also want to say to those. They were heads, at least sort keep, of. Keep, keep sending in those reviews. <laughs> the tar heads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, now it's just us airing of grievances for people who gave us bad reviews. <laughs> um, no, the one person gave us four stars. They just said, you need to stop cutting me the fuck off. So stop cutting me off, bro. I got to um, work on that. Um, not going to work on that now. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the tar heads, I just thought was was funny. I think that's like it's interesting because like I guess everyone who does a podcast has opinions, but our show is literally based on a you know opinions, right? So uh, I think sometimes when people disagree, it's not necessarily this podcast is bad. It's I don't like your opinion because it doesn't. Line, line up with mine so um it is what it is uh, you know what once you put your opinion out there whether it's written whether it's a podcast i'm like you open yourself up much like us criticizing both in a good way and bad way i don't mean just criticizing in a bad way movies and art that's put out there i'm like if you put yourself out there you're open to criticism right so mm-hmm. and fairly so the tar heads don't want to listen because i <laughs> didn't like it i'm sorry well, Matt, as as an okay host, I uh, I've been preparing <laughs> for LA, so I've been trying to get done a lot of like the Rogers stuff. I uh, recorded an episode with Mark Weingust, uh, uh, who talked a little bit about uh, layered butter. Actually, their I'll grab this right now. Their fifth uh, volume is out, and that was a really fun discussion. Um, I'm going to catch the menu on wednesday so we we can we we <laughs> we, we. <laughs> didn't i do that already too <laughs> so so we'll have a review for that because you saw that back at tiff um and we'll possibly kind of you know line that up when when we're both back in uh ontario um from there uh, I will also be doing an interview with the director of a movie called Close, which played at Cannes uh, later this week. So I've got a lot to think about before even like packing and getting ready for L.A. So like that's kind of like where I am with my mindset right now. It's it's less about like, oh, I, you know, going to L.A. on the, the 14th and 15th and, and hanging out and having a good time. It's more like, OK, what housekeeping do I have to get done uh, beforehand and make sure everything's kind of good to go? Yeah, I feel you there. I packed yesterday, so I wouldn't have to kind of deal with it today. And there's always those like, it's so it's lovely to be able to go travel, but there's always that like anxiety of getting to the airport, making sure you packed everything. Nevis and I are sharing luggage because we're cheap and don't want to pay for two checked bags. So um, we're and we don't need to. We're there for a week, but I always overpack. When I go, like, I just, I'm like, I can't decide, throw everything in there. Um, but I definitely understand. I've been trying to do some of that stuff today. And it's all that stuff of being like, do I tidy up before I go? Cause you want to come home to a clean house. But then you're also like, I'm not going to be here for a week. So that's future Matt's problem um, <laughs> and shit like that. So I don't know. We'll see. So did you pack a, um, a, a sink like Eli, uh, Elon Musk did coming into Twitter to let it sink in? What a yeah why i don't know what a dumb what a dumb and it makes somebody get that for him is even worse i'm so i'm so bummed out about twitter i know this is like not necessarily 
movie related, but it sort of is because of film Twitter and everything. And film Twitter, you know, isn't always the best place, but it's a place. Um, <laughs> and I, I've, you know, I think I owe a lot to my career from Twitter, um, both because I, I really do think it's a, it's a valuable networking platform, especially for people who don't go out much or, um, you know, I, I, I'll network in the sense of like, we'll go to events, we'll talk to people we know and introduce ourselves to some other people sometimes. But, um, I really found that Twitter, it's like a eulogy this week, um, or like, uh, everyone just kind of going, uh, rest in peace, Twitter. Like we don't know what the hell is going to happen, but, um, out. I, yeah, I really like, I, I owe a lot to it. Like, I don't think I ever would have gone on kind of funny if I didn't like wasn't so active on Twitter and or I don't know if I would have gotten that first job at Tribute with Bonnie Lawfer if I wasn't active on Twitter and like a lot of the writing and freelance gigs that I've gotten through Twitter and I know a lot of freelancers are in that same boat so it's like really weird what's going on like right now and just like that one guy can kind of just like do it for a meme then try to back out of it and then the board sue him to force him to buy it. And then him just come in now and just be like, all right, this is how it's going to be. And I might burn it all down. And you're like, that's a bummer. Like, I know it's not a great place. Like, there's a lot of shitty stuff on Twitter, even when it wasn't owned by Eli Musk. Eli, I said it too. <laughs> We're infecting each other. Elon Musk. Um, but it's a part of me is a little sad i spend i spend probably too much time on twitter and i I would like to spend less time but like i still hope it doesn't go away and i hope like you are starting to see people back out and i totally understand that if you don't want to support anything that guy does um i won't be giving them a goddamn cent just like i haven't given twitter a goddamn cent in the last 13 years or whatever um but I hope it doesn't all burn down because I really do think it's a valuable thing for this podcast, for us to engage with people who listen, to just engage with other people with common interests. And um, I think without that, I don't know if there's another place. I know people are going to this thing called Mastodon or something. And it like Power Rangers related. Yeah. Um, and it seems janky as fuck, but um, I'm wondering if something else will pop up or if, this is kind of like, you know, anything on the internet when big change happens, it's like it's like the end of the world and then it ends up being pretty much exactly the same, except now you can give $8 to get verified. <laughs> like, that's what I'm hoping it is, right? Like, yeah. I hope it's like just the exact same. Sure, there'll be a little bit more racists and, and you know, free speech uh, motherfuckers that come on and then you just block those people or mute them and just like get them out of your fucking feed. And I hope that's like, the only thing that changes um and then if you want to pay eight dollars a month to get verified all right i guess you have enough money to just shit away because <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense to me but i don't know yeah i mean like especially when you see someone like stephen king being like yeah i'm not paying you know to be verified and then eli elon musk again eli <laughs> uh but i don't want to give him the 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 the, the you know the proper pronunciation of his name anyways um you know haggling with <laughs> being like okay how about eight dollars instead of uh 20 and it's just like no you don't get it it's the principle of the thing like i'm not going to give money to a billionaire who is a complete and total 
asshole who's not even connected to the real world in any way whatsoever and is actually causing more problems because of the things he's saying and is not understanding how free speech actually works. Um, so yeah, it's just like, right. I mean, Twitter has always been a hellscape, but at least, but you can kind of make it your own. A little yeah. Bit. <laughs> you, you can model your, make own it your own hell. hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And, 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 and now it's just kind of like, maybe because it does have more of a, a, a figurehead behind it where, you know, the, the, the people that were running Twitter before Musk, like, they kind of were almost anonymous. Like, you know, well, you had that Jack guy who was there for a while, Jack Dorsey or whatever. Yeah. But still in terms of like a Mark Zuckerberg or something like that, you know, they're, they're, I think a face of, of a social media platform can actually be more harmful than good. And, you know, you look at like a lot of people having moved from Facebook to Twitter, partly because of that. And also, you know, it, it seemed to date itself a little bit. Um, now you <clears throat> have this kind of you know group of people that are deciding like do I stay do I go I'm going to stay for now and then you have some people that are already gone and it's it's yeah it's a weird flux right now to be in because it's it, it's like do I do I want to stay do I want to go and 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 you brought up some good reasons why to stay and and there are good reasons to leave. And then on top of all this, you know, like us feeling bad with what's going on with this sort of corporate takeover and, and, and transition, but also a lot of people losing their jobs, you know, and like, that's something as well that that's, that's awful where, you know, yeah. Like I, I, I hope that everybody, you know, lands on their feet that got Absolutely. fired from this. That's transition. the most important thing. So, yeah. 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 Like to come in and cut half your workforce, just, because you spent $44 billion and like, I feel like cutting your workforce is the laziest way to save money. Like it is the laziest and easiest way to save money at a company. And you just, it just shows you that there's no regard for actual human beings in no sense. And I, and a lot of big companies do this shit where they're just like, how can it, we're saving ourselves. So we'll fucking ruin your life. And it's just like it, it's really disheartening and yeah, I understand for, for that kind of stuff too, if people just don't want to support that. And, um, I don't know. I'm, it's good to see advertisers bouncing out and things like that, but then that will kind of crash the, the platform eventually. Cause if he's not making any money, then who the hell knows if it'll survive, but hopefully something else pops up, but it also sucks when you've, uh, built something like not that i have that many followers well, invested or, so or much anything. time, time yeah that's yeah. into it that helped all those things that i was saying but yeah ultimately and there was those rumors that facebook was going to have big layoffs too and for someone who worked in social media for you know seven years or so um maybe a little bit more it is kind of uh social media has always been something that changes every two years like i feel like because there's like a new platform or you feel like you know, like with a lot of technology, like it's out of date very quickly, right? So there's always a new thing or there's always something different or a new way to target people is coming from my side of marketing. And um, But then people go, that's an invasion of privacy. And then you're like, okay, TikTok is now the huge thing. Pivot to video, which we've heard more than once um, in, in media companies and shit like that. So 
uh, I retweeted something uh, recently that was just like Twitter was a special place for or still is, I guess, for now for those people that didn't fit into those other social medias like you're too ugly for Instagram and I'm too old for TikTok and I'm you know too young for Facebook and the t- you can find the tweet it's on my feed but like yeah, it was Snapchat it was, I have no idea it was in- <laughs> yeah exactly stuff like that so anyways I guess pour one out for Twitter we're we're saying this because today was supposed to be the date that like all these big changes uh, happened. They are waiting until after the midterm elections <laughs> to Which do a lot of them. Which is also depressing to um, think about, like what could happen this week in the U.S. And obviously, you know, we're we're bystanders in this whole thing, being Canadian. But you know, there, there there's a lot riding on this election process, in particular when it comes to how democracy will be kind of preserved or discarded in uh the next decade um and it sounds like a bummer but like it's 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 like i'm now worried that like we're going to be basically living in an andor situation andor's great though (laughs) it's a it's a great show but i don't want to i don't necessarily be impressed by an empire yeah no i i agree with you but we'll wait and, and see on that front um all right uh what do you want to talk about now should we go into the uh the bp conference or do we want to wait until later let's let's go into it go into that now since since it's been brought up and you know it is kind of the centerpiece of this episode okay so eric and i uh like we mentioned earlier in the episode the black panther wakanda forever embargo is now up uh, so you can check out our spoiler-free review over on uh, YouTube or podcast services at Untitled Movie Reviews. Um, Eric and I were lucky enough to go to the virtual press conference for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, um, which featured Ryan Coogler um, and the majority of the cast. Um, I don't think anyone... Uh, Angela Bassett wasn't there, right? And neither was Dominique Thorne. Yeah, but everyone else is pretty much there. Um, Eric, I'll kick it over to you. Um, we've done a few of these like, um, press conference kind of conversations now, and I feel like, you know, some are, are, are better than others. Um, I felt like this was a a pretty good one. And I think going into it, um, we kind of obviously knew what a lot of the questions were going to lean towards and, and what the kind of, you know, much like the movie, the kind of, you know, somber but celebratory kind of vibe that the movie um has would continue into this press conference but how did you feel about the conversation and in, in the press conference i thought it was pretty good i mean like it, again it is a, a press conference to promote the film and and after you've seen it so you know there's always that kind of add-on that it is you know a way to kind of advertise than it is to criticize something right and and i think um the the moderator was it was it jacqueline uh cole of, of rotten tomatoes i believe so um did a did a really good job i mean like I, I i will say that with all of these press conferences we've attended so far the moderation has been pretty good in terms of keeping things kind of on you know schedule even if they're running behind and that's just the the nature of you know junketing in general when you are, are kind of on a, on a schedule, you're always going to fall a little bit behind, but overall, I think like one of the, the, the big takeaways from just hearing everybody talk, obviously, you know, there's a lot of respect, um, and, and processing still going on with the, the, the loss of 
uh, Chadwick Boseman, um, but also hearing Ryan Coogler talk about it and talking about how it was both a therapeutic process, but he's still reeling with that loss and will still be doing so even after the movie, you know, is released on September the 11th and uh, September the 11th. Oh, <laughs> November the 11th. My brain <laughs> yeah. is out to lunch today. Um, on November the 11th, Remembrance Day in Canada. And I think what I really appreciated from all of that was Kugler himself, like just how humble um, of a person he is. Every time, you know, you would get, you know, someone complimenting him or, you know, there would be some sort of uh, conversation steered towards, you know, his work. He would always defer to other people. The cast and crew, yeah. And talk about their work, not only in this production, but in other films and TV shows as well. And, you know, Ryan Coogler with these two Black Panther films and Creed and Fruitvale Station, you know, like, it's a really fascinating progression to see a director, you know, we've talked a lot about this where, you know, starting out in Sundance or Sundance Labs, developing projects, and then, you know, kind of having an indie hit or a critically acclaimed film and moving into, you know, the franchise territory. Yeah. What Ryan Coogler has done with Creed and the Black Panther movies is he's made conscientious blockbusters and, and, and really kind of sophisticated um, popcorn films. Mm-hmm. And he's one of those guys where like, I still hope that he can maybe go and make something personal Smaller. and small yeah. again and, and, and do something. Cause he's, I mean, he, he's, he's earned that now, obviously he has the cachet to go and do that. But at the same time, I think because of his contributions to the MCU and to, you know, the Rocky verse, he has really kind of influenced a new generation of filmmakers that will grow up on those movies, the way that we grew up on, you know, Spielberg's Jurassic park and things like that. So um, he is, I think one of the most important commercial filmmakers working today. I absolutely agree. I think we both took away um, very similar feelings. I remember texting you as we were watching being like, Ryan Coogler is just the best man. Like every answer you heard out of his mouth was just what you're saying. Like, you know, taking a compliment, but also making sure that you spread the love with the cast and crew. So just to make sure everyone knows who was there, it was Kevin Feige producer, Nate Moore, uh, the other producer, Ryan Coogler, the director, Ludwig Gorenson, uh, who was the composer, Lupita Nyong'o, um, Winston Duke, uh, Denai Guerrera, uh, Leticia Wright, uh, Tenoch Huerta, uh, Florence Kasumba, uh, Michaela Cole, uh, Mabel Kadina, uh, Alex Livinali, and Martin Freeman. Was Martin Freeman there? No, I mean, he wasn't. He might right? have been like, like, Sorry, I'm looking at the list that Disney uh, sent us, but I don't think Martin Freeman was in the conversation we listened to. But um, but yeah, I I thought it was a a genuinely engaging um, conversation. And yeah, like Eric mentioned, these things are meant to give press more context about the film, um, you know, and like you said, to kind of promote the movie for the most part. But like for me, I always use them as like, 
it's great to see the movie and then it just gives you a little bit more about you know what they put into it and what the actors put into it and what the director put into it um kind of almost immediately after seeing the movie which is something you only get at like film festivals and different things like that so like i always think that they're they're they are usually at least you get something out of them and then at best you get like quite a bit of, of, of a great engaging conversation. And um, this one, because I, I think because of that, because of Chadwick's passing, which was brought up, you know, a good amount of times as, as it probably will throughout the whole press um, circuit for this movie. But um, yeah, like it was, it was great hearing the cast talk about, you know, um, what they put into the movie um, and, and what they took from Chadwick and, um, and trying to honor him here. Um there was, uh, you know, someone asked about how Rihanna got involved, which I thought was like an interesting being with Kendrick Lamar doing the uh, album for the first movie, like how uh, Rihanna got involved with this one, which I think is sort of a big deal as well. Like it's not necessarily about the movie, but you have Rihanna contributing like two songs in the, in the closing credits, someone who hasn't, you know, uh, made new music in six years and how she saw the trailer for the movie and was so inspired and, you know, with Chadwick's passing as well, that she wanted to uh, make sure that she uh, contributed to the movie. So I like, you get little nuggets like that, that I think are interesting. That's not necessarily like, we're going to judge the movie for the movie. You guys can listen to our spoiler free review available now. Um, But (laughs) stuff like this, it is just cool to see like, you know, after such a big, Marvel movie, and I thought it was interesting with Kevin Fe- Feige. Feige, wow, well, we can't talk today. I don't know what it is. We we had all the good <laughs> stuff with with Black yeah. Panther: Wakanda Forever when we were reviewing it, both as a non-spoiler and spoiler yeah. review. So the Kevin shit Feige episode is is a little is bit just more us slurred, letting loose, a little too too loose. Uh, Kevin Feige kind of stepped back, which I uh, on this one, and and you know he only kind of chimed in here and there, but. Um, I loved hearing from uh, uh, Tano Huerta as well. Um, uh, I probably say his name differently each time, and I, I'm sorry. But Tano Huerta, um, yeah. Huerta. Um, hearing him talk about, you know, why he wanted to uh, play the role of Namor and how it, um, uh, you know, he saw a lot of, uh, you know, representation. You know, the first movie was so big for that too, but like to bring. Um, uh, his culture, culture Mexican and, and culture into Mayan, it as well uh, civilization, yeah the ancient right. Mayan civilization and yeah like you yeah you get this feeling that it's like you know it's it's not just simply doing it for you know like uh you know as like a window dressing kind of thing like there's totally. an actual integration of the culture and used in a very practical way and he even talked about like how from his perspective you know, a lot of this stuff has always kind of been like almost embarrassing to talk about. But now mm-hmm. with this movie and and the performance that he gives and and the character and and all that, he's he's what the movie's about and all that the yeah. representation and yeah, it's 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 also just nice to see an actor who has been working since for sixteen years because he started around two thousand and six, and you know he's he's done a lot of stuff, but a lot of uh, North American audiences in particular will probably be introduced to him in this movie. And I think that's why he gets like the introducing, um, yeah. you know, credit, credit. there at yeah. the end. And, and 
when you're watching the film, you can you can really tell that it's like, you know, we talked about this in in the review and even in our spoiler review where, you know, when an actor comes on the screen and, you know, they embody the character so perfectly, it's like the first time a lot of people saw Tom Hiddleston and saw Loki first and didn't necessarily go back to the uh, Joanna Hogg movies until a little bit later. And this is kind of the same thing where like, I think some people will maybe, you know, recognize him from the forever purge, but this will kind of be that jumping off point and to dive into his back catalog of movies, but also moving forward now, you know, you'll, you'll recognize him in stuff when it, whether it be on TV or, or in other films, anytime he pops up in anything that's been in the past. Yeah. Um, they also talked about why they decided to focus the movie on the women of Wakanda. So Nate Moore and, um, uh, Ryan Coogler talked about that just, you know, after they you had to Namor go back. Namor talked about that? Nate Moore. Moore. Okay. Is the producer, <laughs> you said Namor. Which is funny. No, it's funny. His name is Nate Moore and <laughs> the movie has Namor in it. Maybe he's yeah, he's like, guys, we got to put Namor in this movie. We're like, Nate Moore, come on, bro. <laughs> we know why you're trying to do this. Um, no, Nate Moore, the producer, Nate Moore. Um, and Ryan Coogler talked about like just it was just a natural kind of you know, when they took a step back after Chadwick passed away and had to rethink what they were going to make this movie about and completely start from scratch, it just felt natural to them that they would focus on the women of Wakanda, which does totally make sense, especially when you see the movie as well. Like, you know, he sure he was the king of Wakanda, but like you, the first movie even, you know, focused on these women and if they lose their King, like how would it affect all of them? And, and that just felt like a natural thing to them. So it was, and they talked about that. It wasn't necessarily, you know, even a, a conscious thing of being like, we have to focus on the women or, um, for any reason, but it, it just like those little things is, are why I kind of like going to these things. Cause like you get little nuggets that are, kind of interesting and and do make you go oh damn like i do want to see the movie again or i can't wait for people to see this so yeah i had a good time with this one for sure yeah i think the marvel ones can be a lot of fun especially when you have when they spoil that ben kingsley was in shang chi (laughs) (laughs) i mean that was even before the press junket that was on the red carpet um but yeah with with this one i think like it adds a little bit more context to realizing that there was a film in development while Chadwick Boseman was still alive for a sequel and how losing him was such a devastating moment for, for everybody. And where do you go from there? And and how do you pick those pieces up and kind of, you know, put it back together in a way that makes sense. And it is also just, again, you know, paying tribute to somebody who, you know, his life was cut short. And it's just like, it's, it's such a delicate journey to take. And I think overall, like it, again, it reflects in the writing and in, in the performances. I think everybody understood that this movie wasn't going to be necessarily, you know, what, the se- like, again like a sequel to black panther i don't know if this is a sequel to black panther i think this truly is wakanda forever you know like this yeah. is a wakanda movie and i think this 
is probably the best direction that they should have gone in and 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 only time will tell obviously when in, in terms of how audiences react to it um but yeah it's just i think you have to when you have to pivot when something really does happen that is that is is life-changing um you can go one of two ways you can be exploitative and kind of capitalize on you know that change or you can find a way to tell a great story with an emotional core and still you know be an entertaining film and it does both and 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 again i think it all comes down to ryan coogler you know like the guy knew how much work was going to go into this but also like that 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 pressure and feeling responsible if this thing didn't work you know and and that even when he was talking you you got a sense of that so it's it's one of those movies that i think is an accomplishment and stands on its own and not just simply as a black panther sequel but just as its own tribute within the MCU to T'Challa and to and to Chadwick Boseman absolutely all right, moving on. We uh, we might as well stick with some uh, MCU stuff because we had some uh, some breaking casting just as we were uh, starting the show for once, not right after, because we're recording a little bit later in the day um, today. Um, so we got a bunch of it's like a mix of rumors and confirmed casting or, or confirmed, you know what I mean by like deadline or in places confirming it. So, uh, for Agatha coven of chaos, uh, Eric Andre and Sashir Zameda, uh, have been cast in Agatha coven of chaos. So Eric Andre in the MCU, baby, let's go. <laughs> um, the Eric Andre show. If, if he's playing Eric Andre in the show, that would be amazing. Yeah. Um, which makes me wonder, like, you got to think that this show is going to continue that tone from at least WandaVision for the li- the first little bit before it ca- starts kind of diving into chaos. Because I just, I know Dottie, the woman, um, the character from, from WandaVision, I forget the actress's name, I apologize, but she's returning as well. And the place that... Emma Caulfield? You might be right. She's um, from Buffy, yeah thank you never watched buffy so um sorry buffy was on oh no they put it on at the halloween party i was at and then people started talking about buffy and i was like you know who likes buffy eric i literally said that at this party um and they were like really and i'm like yep and then that was it i grew up um, with him like it's just one of i know i i it was on a lot when i was at my cousin's house i just never yeah. really got into it um but you would assume because of the place that uh, Agatha was left in at the end of WandaVision that would still keep that kind of sitcom-y vibe, at least for some of it. And I but could that just wouldn't see... make sense necessarily it? if it if it's her show, unless the, the but point she doesn't is... she like brain like kind of brainwasher kind of thing at the end yeah, of Scarlet Witch, yeah. But but yeah. would Scarlet Witch be casting a spell that puts her in? No, the, so it would be modern day, like in. Because I think she's still living in um, Westfield, right? Yeah. Um, but is it Westfield? Uh, Westview. 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 Um, on, she's Come still on, living guy. in Westview. <laughs> um, but I don't think the spell would be there other than on her. Right. But then maybe when Scarlet Witch dies, 
spoilers sorry everyone um and if you haven't seen multiverse of madness but that's your own fault um maybe the spell is gone i don't know how any of this works but i just could see eric andre working in some sort of weird character in in westview so like i'm here for it i don't know or maybe he's a a wizard i don't know (laughs) i gotta yeah I don't know. This is one of those shows that kind of feels like it only really exists because Catherine Hahn's performance was so popular within, you know, WandaVision that it's like, okay, well, we might as well see if we can kind of push that a little bit further. And you do have the creatives from WandaVision coming back here and, and, and sort of helping to put that show together. But tonally speaking, like it's going to probably be a little bit different and it's not going to do that kind of like each and every week it's going to be an episodic. No, I didn't think that television. Right. So like, what's the angle going to be with this? Are we going to revisit more of, you know, maybe um, the Salem witch trials and things like that? Because there is that kind of backstory that was kind of hinted at in, in one of the later episodes in terms of Agatha's sort of um dark past and sort of you know the the tragic nature of that character um and you know we talked about it in the spoiler cast and this isn't a spoiler to black panther wakanda forever but this show just almost feels like it's being made to bring back scarlet witch at the end of the series like it's a way to kind of like you know revive the character for continuity's sake um but then why kill her off to bring her right back i don't know i guess it's a very marvel thing but like well, there's also been rumors of 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 you know vision having a series vision well. quest is a great name <laughs> like right like that that's name for that series is great uh the other piece of thing for agatha coven of chaos is aubrey plaza looks like she was also cast as the villain even though agatha is sort of a villain um anti-hero matt we live in a world of anti-heroes now um in agatha coven of chaos uh love aubrey plaza i think she's perfect for for that um some people are theorizing that she could even be playing the same character she played in legion um but i don't think they'll do that i don't personally i I thought legion was great I, i even though i'd never finished it but from what I saw of it, it was always something that I wanted to go back to. I just, um, or maybe it'll be a Ralph Boner 2.0 where you, you got to think he's, he's back Legion in that show then, too. Right. Possibly. I mean, unless I was actually thinking he might've popped up. I, so it was she Hulk. We talked about this when we reviewed WandaVision. I honestly thought Westview would be suing Scarlet, Witch on oh, She-Hulk. like that seemed like it would have been, been a funny, good. That's a more Harvey Birdman thing, right? right? Like where I feel like all of the, you know, court cases we got in in She-Hulk were a little bit more, you know, they weren't involving characters we really knew other than, you know, Matt Murdock showing up eventually. But um, no and Wong. some of them were hit or miss. Yeah, Wong, fair. And he, yeah, he did come to testify um, for Madison with two N's and one Y, but not where you think they were. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah so like i, I think that, um, that would have been a funny like court case or, and it didn't have to be like the central storyline but in terms of connecting like you know the the people of mm-hmm. westview versus uh yeah uh, you know wanda um but yeah it's it's one of those shows where it's probably not as anticipated compared to 
secret invasion or like it's Agatha. No one was asking for an Andor series. So that's true. And, And Echo's another one where like spinning off of of Hawkeye. It's like at the same time, you're like, did was anybody asking for an Echo series? But it might work. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Um. I liked Echo, the character, maybe even more. Echo makes more sense to me than maybe Agatha. Because I'm kind of with you where, like, I thought Catherine Hahn was great in WandaVision. Um, but I didn't need a entire series based on her, at least now. But after Andor, man, I'm going in with an open mind on all of these things. Because, like, Andor would have been the bottom of my list of characters that I'm like gotta make a 12 episode two season series on him it's like no i no one wanted that like and a lot of people like rogue one but i don't think anyone's like that character needs his own series and it's going to be the best thing uh from the star wars universe since the original trilogy and it's just like no one would have called that so i'm i'm open to it i don't know but um i like eric andre I liked Sashir Zameda when she was on SNL. I haven't really seen her in that much, I think, since. Um, but she's popped up here and there. Um, sticking with superhero um, stuff, we might as well just kind of stay in that realm, which is basically everything. The quantum um, realm? <laughs> uh, Daniel Kaluuya uh, was cast in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as Spider-Punk. Um, I'm all for this. So now your new heroes you have in this you have Issa ray as spider woman and you have oscar isaac as spider-man 2099 uh now daniel kaluuya joining them as spider punk um there are rumors of other spider-man variants uh popping up in probably part one and part two wouldn't be surprised if tom holland does show up at some point in one of those i think he'll probably be teased my my the theory is that he probably shows up at the very end and is going to be like a major character in part two. And it just makes a thing that he can still be in the Sony Spider-Man universe or whatever the hell they're calling it now. Um, it can be sort of part of the MCU multiverse saga. Um, you can have the Tom Holland Spider-Man. He just has to sit in a voice booth for a day and you kind of keep that character going while they try to figure out where they want to what they want to do with the next sequel. So um, there are rumors like the Spider-Man from the PS4 uh, video game is going to appear. I read that somewhere as well. These are rumors where Daniel Kaluuya was actually confirmed, but you got to think any Spider-Man from any era of animated or, or not could probably pop up in these two movies. So I'm hoping the nineties Spider-Man does show up too. Yeah. I mean, the only one that can is Paul Souls, who voiced the 60s version, who passed away. So, and it was actually a Toronto voice actor. So, um, but other than that, yeah, I think the 90s uh, voice actor uh, would be a, a fun one for a whole generation of kids that grew up watching that show. Yeah, I would that love Aerosmith, that. Aerosmith they... uh, uh, riff. God, it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, if they go to a, a 90s universe in that art style, I will lose it. But um, obviously, Daniel Kaluuya rules, and I'm I'm glad that he's in this. So, um, so now he's else, a part Eric? of the MCU in a weird way that's like both live action and in animated form. Yeah, potentially, but- potentially if, if, if your theory is right about Tom Holland. 
Which um, I feel like a lot of people are now. So yeah, I mean, like Mahershala even... Ali, though, right? You know, as, as Prowler in, in the first Spider-Verse movie and yeah. Brian Tyree Henry. In, in the There's Turner an movies. actor in Wakanda Forever that is... Uh, they are announced for the movie, but, like, you don't... And it's not really a big thing, but, like, it that's not spoiling anything. But, oh, Catherine Hahn, um, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cock. There you go. So, and there's more. So, um, what else do we want to talk about? I thought there was some more Marvel stuff. Am I missing it? I forget. I forget everyone. Um, I'll just keep killing time. Anything else, Eric? <laughs> Get air. <laughs> no, it's just like anything else you've been watching or no? Uh, no, just, just, just Andor and, um, yeah, uh, Andor close rules, and dude. yeah, it's, it is a really like I think like having talked to you and other people that are watching it, you need to give it time. You need to let it build, and you will be. You got to get to episode three it. or four. Yeah, yeah. Which um, I'm rewatching it with Nevis right now from episode one because like she's she bowed out of Star Wars a little while ago. She she was into Mandalorian. She's seen both seasons. Uh, Mando. Boba F- Boba Fett, she watched the first or second one and she was like, I'm good. <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm like, no, I, I get it. I get it. And then she didn't watch Obi-Wan because she really likes you and McGregor, but um, hadn't seen the prequels. She's never watched them. So I'm like, I don't think you need to watch this if you haven't seen the prequels, because like you're just not going to get much from it. Um, we might revisit Obi-Wan once she eventually watches the prequels, which I probably won't do until like the next mainline Star Wars movie comes out. Um, which who knows when that's going to be, because it does seem like at this point, Star Wars is more focused on sort of serializing, um, the franchise into, you know, limited series. I mean, the acolyte seems to be going into production, uh, started very today the yeah. casting of of or the, the the full cast announcement um that's actually a good point eric i meant because yeah. that was something that actually did come up today um you saw that uh daphne keen joined the cast uh who Carrie you guys Ann would moss. know yeah carry on uh carry on moss um joining amanda stenberg and um sorry i'm pulling up the star wars uh press release and stuff that came out today so good pivot to Star Wars. Um, but yeah, the main there was that rumor that Damon Lindelof, or not rumor, like they kind of confirmed it that he's working on a Star Wars movie right now, right? Yeah. But again, um, I mean, who knows how early that is? That could just be like, oh, he's, you know, putting together a writer's room and they're pitching ideas and you know, like that you when you hear news like that. It's so early, like you can't really say until it's in production, yeah. right? Unless like, they have the script that's done and it's because look at the Ryan Johnson through. trilogy, look at like the Patty yeah. Jenkins Rogue Squadron movie, like Taika Waititi. You know, the, yeah, you know. like the Kevin Feige produced one written by Michael Waldron. Like they're working on so many different things. And like they they have had success in the TV realm, right? So which kind of makes sense. But yeah, so uh, the Acolyte went into production today in the UK. They announced the cast. So Amanda Stenberg, uh, Lee Jung-Jae, uh, who you guys would know from Squid Game. Uh, Manny um, Jacinto, who you guys would know from, uh, I know him from The Good Place. He was um, in Top Daf- Gun Maverick too. He had like oh, he was briefly, right? Yeah. yeah. 
uh, Daphne Keen from Logan, uh, Jody Turner-Smith, Rebecca Henderson, uh, Charlie Barnett, not Charlie Bartlett, uh, Dean Charles Chapman, and Carrie Ann Moss. So, um, and the showrunner on this is um, the woman who created Russian dolls. Uh, Russian doll, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, I'm pumped for that, man. Like after Andor, I'm all in on Star Wars TV again. Like I'm, you just hope that you know bringing in creators like Tony Gilroy and others that like you know whether they have a reverence for star Wars or not, but like just bring another element to star Wars. That doesn't have to be the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Focus on story first and, and the iconography second, like that's yeah. kind of what I think someone like use Tony the Gilroy sandbox and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like, exactly. Like it, it's, it's, I think again, like Andor, it's, it's, it's far away in a galaxy, far, far away from Jedi, from the Skywalker stuff and it feels like its own thing with some of it being a little bit adjacent but still focusing on kind of this you know spy craft world war ii um sort of political thriller and that's where the focus is and you can tell like in the, the one episode that we love with the eye where it's like that that whole episode is designed to be a you know crackerjack kind of suspense thriller in the vein of a heist movie and when you're watching that you realize okay there's so much that star wars has yet to explore outside of that original you know nine saga space film. operas yeah yeah that you that you 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 have there's so much potential there to tell so many other stories and it's just and we've like, always talked about that remember yeah. like i remember us going like this is an entire universe you're so singular and and kind of blinded by just the skywalkers right like that there's so much else going on like the people that are on these planets and everything you're blinded and like, by hate um, i and i know we're getting back like so the acolyte the synopsis um i can read it here is a former padawan reunites with her Jedi master to investigate a series of crimes, but the forces they confront are more sinister than they ever anticipated. So we're still getting back to like Jedi and, and Sith probably, but, but doesn't um, this story take place a hundred years before yeah. the prequels? So at least that's even more, we're... maybe I think, right. Cause I yeah. think this might be taking place in the high Republic, which is um, quite a ways before the prequels. So um, this is the High Republic show, I believe, right? I think, but I think so. Um, which will be cool to see as well, right? Like now we're seeing the Empire in charge. Like, what's it look like in the High Republic when the Jedi's are like these? Basically, um, they are not the Jedi's we know from the prequels or the the original series and stuff like that too. And then eventually the sequel series where they basically don't exist anymore. But um yeah i'm i'm pumped for it man like i'm i'm all in on on star wars again it like rejuvenated me because like you know i was soft on boba fett and but Ma i mando mando season the one mando stuff is great and like season one and two is great the mando episodes in boba fett i loved um, shout out to bryce dallas howard aka yaddle yeah um, she's honestly like I want to see her direct a feature like I hope she does direct, or a whole series or her whole show right yeah. like uh let her show run like uh whatever she wants to do because everything um, she's directed in Star Wars is 10 times better than Ron's 
Man, I just want to know what that Phil Lord and Chris Miller Han Solo movie was going to be. That's like the one thing. Like, if there was one movie you could see, um, your own that personal never, what if? Yeah, like what would that be for you? Do you have one like that? Like almost happened, whether it would like got canceled or someone took over and made a different version, or uh, a studio took control, or. Like, I guess for some people it will be Batgirl, like if you're thinking of recent things, but like, does it have me, to be something that was actually made or can it be something that, no, something that was made. never made and almost got made or got cut in production or, or I guess right before production or something like that. I mean, there's, there's, there's the obvious ones where it's like, you know, uh, Yodorowsky's Dune would have been a really interesting, good doc. Everyone go watch great that. doc. Um, you know, as, as a film uh purist uh i i would have to say stanley kubrick's napoleon because of how much work he put into that movie there are these volumes of books that he had and and like looking at, at some of them that were you know photos were taken of them and, and kind of going through them and like it it would have been something really spectacular. Did we get a lot of great movies from Stanley Kubrick? Absolutely. But for me, it's like that one where it's like, I, I, I wonder, I wonder what this would have been, you know? Um, and that's, that's the one that I think a lot of people probably also feel like where it's like, it's like if we had gotten another Kubrick movie, but then if we got Napoleon, would we have gotten Barry Lyndon? You know, I, I don't know. So but Napoleon's just something he always wanted to do and never was able to do it. Is that yeah, it, it was, it was yeah. just one of those things where the 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 timing was never right. He felt like he was he was also working on other things at the at various points in his career. There was a time when Ian Holm was going to play Napoleon in I think the late seventies, early eighties. He obviously Ian Holm best known as playing Ash in Alien. Um, there was rumors at one point that Al Pacino was going to play Napoleon, um, and it just never happened. It, you know, there, there's, there's, I mean, you can go to, you know, websites that are dedicated to, you know, what if, or what could have been, um, you know, the greatest movies never made. There's a podcast about that and they talk about, you know, a lot of a, these, right? A, like, yeah, like even the 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 original version of the Super Mario Brothers film that was going to be that was going to be more closer to what Super Mario Brothers was as a video game, but then how that changed, and so that's a, a, a great resource if you're ever in. And one of the guys who's actually the um, Steven Scarlatta, uh, who's one of the co-hosts on that, is one of the producers on um, Yodorowsky's Dune. Uh, so yeah it's didn't like one of that. them write sonic the hedgehog too or yes something? yes josh miller yeah yeah, yeah he wrote yeah. both of them yeah okay good for him um all right moving on what else do we got jimmy kimmel's hosting the oscars um sure i, I mean it's gonna i'm i'm sure the first reference will be to you know the last time he hosted which was the moonlight la la land debacle there at you the think end. he goes that that first or the slap first because he's got to go slap first you slap think. and then or maybe he'll do a it'll be a combo thing maybe sure, it'll be like yeah. we got the wrong envelope and then someone slaps him because yeah that's good i, I mean guess. i just wrote I mean, that for it, them there you go <laughs> eric pay this I'm a regular man. bruce valanche oh man um 
So, yeah, I, I mean, Jimmy Kimmel is fine. Like, it doesn't really matter who hosts the Oscars, really. But no, um, a safe, bland choice. Like, I have nothing against Jimmy Kimmel. Um, he's probably one of the better, you know, generic talk ho- show hosts, talk ho- hosts. Um, he's probably but- still going to. The sh- the sh- okay. The show is going to still go over time. Mm-hmm. Are is the Academy going to stick to their guns like they did last year and do a pre televised um, grouping of the below the lines uh, nominations and and winners and then kind of release a, a kind of quick video afterwards? Is is that going to be the same thing again, or are they going to go back to you know having everything presented live during the telecast? Because there were some people that won like Riz Ahmed for, you know, um, uh, short narrative that it was like, and his speech was great. And it's like, I wanted to hear that during the telecast or, you know, Greg Frazier winning for Dune. I I don't love Dune, but I mean, he's a a really wonderful cinematographer. And that was a category that was, you know, a lot of people were thinking Ari Wagner was could have possibly won. And if Ari Wagner did win, she would have been the first woman to win in cinematography. And it's like, you take away that moment, you know, like, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's weird. The Academy's at this point now where it's like, you know, they're, they're trying to like find a way to connect to audiences now to get in a bigger viewership or, or sustain the one that they already have. And then they're also trying to answer to ABC and, you know, the people that are are programming this thing. And it's like, they're getting away from the whole point of it, which is to, to enjoy the movies, to enjoy the year of film. And I think... Always got to make money, more viewership. And... But I think this year, they're like, we've talked already about like movies like Top Gun Maverick and everything everywhere all at once doing really well box office wise and, and finding, you know, a, 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 that mass appeal. And those are films that could easily get nominated for Best Picture. So it's like you, you now have these films that are going to be contending with, you know, the more traditional Oscar, you know, fair. So it's like, you know, focus on that. Don't try to add a TikTok dance sequence like the Russo brothers talking about how their version Hercules. of Hercules is going to be <laughs> experimental because they're going for the Gen Z group. And it's just like... Come on. What does that on, mean? I what does that know. mean? I don't know. What does that mean? Is it mean it's going to take Hercules and what do a, like a, that's a game actually, um, which I contributed when I worked on TikTok. Anyways, um, it all comes full circle. Um, what does that mean? Does it mean like it's going to be a jukebox musical where you're going to, cause that's what you, you think of TikTok, right? It takes popular music and people lip sync them or dance to them. Um, Or, you know, there's obviously other stuff on TikTok, but that's like how it got popular. Is that what the hell they mean? Like, is it going to replace the original music from Hercules with like popular music? And are you going to do like a, like a, that kind of thing? Isn't TikTok like only limited to like a couple of minutes or, or less? Uh, yeah they've upped they've upped it it was 15 seconds at first but now it's longer and longer like any video platform but um the most popular stuff is very short form video is guy Ritchie directing this is that no i thought it was the russo brothers or no they're producing it it. okay yeah but i thought he 
didn't Guy Ritchie come back? The Guy to do Ritchie another? TikTok directed Hercules live action Disney <laughs> remake. <laughs> Sounds like something was created in Eric's nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> like like, like Don oh. Cheadle's algae rhythm comes into my brain and is like, these are the things that Eric hates the most. Let's put it on the screen. Yeah, he's absolutely directing it. I was right. Fucking crushed it. Fuck's sakes. Um, I hope you're happy. <laughs> I'm not. I don't like him. <laughs> like I, if anything, we're two of the. Still waiting the rich- for that Jason Statham Aubrey Plaza movie to come out that he directed. Uh, is that Operation Fortune? Yeah, yeah. Is that not out yet? No, nope. I could have sworn that never came got out. released. Really? Yep. It just. I think it's coming out in Australia in January, or February, but it's never been released in North America. Never released in the UK. Just yeah, it just got pulled. It was supposed to come out in January and then March. Uh, and then in February, STX just pulled it. Reports indicate the film was pulled from release because it features Ukrainian gangsters as villains. The film's producers thought it was in bad taste doing due to the ongoing war in Ukraine to air a movie featuring Ukrainian baddies. Um well, all I can say is that if they thought that was in bad taste, then why the hell did they release The Gentleman? Because there is so many horrific racial stereotypes that are so offensive in that movie. And now they're making a series about it. And it's just like, you can't escape Guy Ritchie. You just can't. He has four movies that are either in pre or post production. So Operation Fortune is completed, awaiting release. He has untitled Guy Ritchie film. Our, you'll hear from our lawyers soon. Um, <laughs> tentatively titled The Interpreter, uh, which has Jake Gyllenhaal uh, in it. Um, that's in post-production for uh, UA, United Artists and Amazon Studios. And then he has Hercules, which is he's in pre-production on. And then The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Is that a sequel to The Gentleman? Or is that like, aren't they doing a gentleman TV series as well? I just said that. Is I just said oh that. sorry, I don't, I'm sorry. I'm like <laughs> you blanked out as no. soon as you saw like, yeah. four Guy Ritchie. I blacked projects. out. Yeah, I saw too much Guy Ritchie in the D- to be announced section. Um, the Ritchie uh, were Ritchie haters too, but like I've always said, like I, the only movie of his I like is The Man from Uncle. Yeah, um, and then everything else I do. And not we're never like. going to get a sequel to that now. So. No, we. I mean, they, I, I guess they could recast that one role. So no one would care. No one remembers that movie anyway. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. it's the one Guy Ritchie movie I like that no one talks about. Um, P- I, Wrath of Man was fine, but like, it felt the most un Guy Ritchie sort of to me. But well, it was also a remake um, as well. So you mm-hmm. know, like, it was him kind of just cashing in. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, re in, in reuniting with um jason statham because he hadn't worked with him for a while so yeah and jason statham are jason statham and josh hartnett are both in oh man uh, richie's next film which yeah, is i delayed, so i um finally watched the trailer for plane and oh my god i'm in <laughs> i'm so in man i'm so in what a dumb fucking title and a dumb ass movie that is that fine line of like is this okay? I don't know. Like, am, is it okay if I am excited for this or if I like it? Um, because it's like in that Olympus has fallen territory where you're like, it's not like it's 
<laughs> um, but I watched that trailer and what they have to know how stupid that name is. Like they have to that like it's they're in on the joke, right? Even watching the trailer, I'm like, they got to be in on the joke. Well, at least at least the um, the editors for the trailer are in on the joke because may- maybe the film is a little bit more self-serious. But um, I mean, I already told you this. This looks like the ultimate plane movie. <laughs> oh, it absolutely does. Um, but that's I, that's what January is perfect for. You know, it is that palate cleanser where we're getting movies like, you know, Megan and, uh, and uh, plain. the plane. <laughs> just plain, man. <laughs> like With no other title. Everyone like there's just a, a whiteboard with a bunch of names. They're like, let's just call it plain. And it looks hilarious. And I can't wait for it. Yeah, I think like, um, you could start a whole like Gerard Butler in certain vehicles. It's like Gerard Butler in car, Gerard Butler in, you know, boat. <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious. Um, going through Westworld got canceled. Um, not surprising. Um, I bailed out after. watching that? Like after I think some people three? said season four was really good or like. The last couple seasons, I think people said were pretty good, but I think people were so burned on the second season. Is that the one people didn't like? I think that that's, the one. Um, that's where I kind of dropped out and then didn't continue. Um, did you watch Westworld at all or no? The first season, yeah. yeah I liked it, I but I was, felt yeah. it was also kind of like better as a, as a miniseries. Like it kind of felt like it was done at the end of season one. Mm-hmm. But then I just never picked up on it again. Not because it, I didn't like that first season. It was just more so there's just so much, you know, out there. And it just kind of got pushed to the wayside. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I really liked it. But um, I think, yeah, I bailed out maybe two thirds of the way through season two and just never went back to it. And I've heard people say like it when Aaron Paul came in, it really changed. And then it got really good and then they were hoping it would have like one more you know season to kind of wrap everything up but um unfortunately well, maybe they'll do a movie or something like that because like i mean even though deadwood maybe was deadwood canceled or did it just end um you know deadwood had a, a film to kind of wrap up all the loose ends so I, I could see like down the line hbo being like okay let's you know let's let them have their 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 sort of conclusion on this yeah but um but it was supposed to be the next game of thrones like that was like the whole thing right like where it was coming out near the end of game of thrones and it was kind of i think that first season was super popular like it almost got there right it just kind of lost everyone in that second season so and that just shows you like with there's so much out there to your point where if you lose an audience even if it's for like just half of a season it's like it's hard to get them back right like it's you will keep a section of that audience that will be really you know passionate about your um property but like even look with the leftovers and other kind of HBO shows that like are great but they kind of lost themselves for a bit and had to reinvent themselves and then like in the plane just, right survive together or yeah. die alone lost <laughs> never lost it uh zaslav is uh also canceled the degrassi uh remake that they were or or sequel series whatever the hell it was going to be it was like euphoria but degrassi but canadian canadian euphoria um with degrassi over there so um 
it's a crime against Canadians, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a big Degrassi guy. Were you? No, I, I never watched For something it. that was so huge here. I'm surprised neither of us watched it. No, never. Eh? Yeah. No, no it, it was one of those. It was one of those shows where like when it first started to kind of get popular in the eighties, I remember like there were like when we were, when we were kids, like, I think like that period there were, they were doing retrospectives on that original series. And I remember seeing like some talk show episode of, of, and I think it was like on Omni one or something like that um, of, of the original cast talking about the show. And it was around the time that they were originally going to reboot it or bring it back. And that's the only exposure I've ever had um to Degrassi with the exception of Kevin Smith I think directed directed and Jay and Silent Bob showed up yeah yeah and and Drake is was a cast member for a while yeah I'm I never watched it I was sort of fascinated with it recently because like I think it was like before it's time for like a TV show that like has lasted so long. And I know soap operas are kind of like the first things for that with characters returning and having older versions and sticking with the series for so long. And like, but Degrassi for each sequel series to bring back like the previous cast is like the adults, I think is like for a Canadian TV show that then transcended into the U S and has like a really like a cult following from the, from the U S I think is so fascinating and for something that I just never cared about or never watched. And I know it dealt with like, you know, some real themes for teenagers and stuff too at the time. And like, um, you know, when we, we kind of make fun of Canadian television, sometimes like Degrassi was that first one that I, I feel like both from like a, I, I hate using like cinematic universe, but like, having well legacy people come series, back right? yeah legacy series is perfect yeah where they kept they brought it this cast back and did a sequel series and another sequel series and you're you're still having cast that was from like the 80s come back and and do some stuff and then it's something that feels like it's been canceled more than at any other tv show <laughs> like i feel like degrassi's been canceled 11 times and but it keeps somehow, yeah, it keeps coming back. Whether Netflix and now HBO or you know whoever had it here in Canada, I think it was was the CBC or no? Um, who Maybe knows? Neither of us watched it. No. Uh, Bob Odenkirk's going to be in Wonder Man. We talked about Yaya Abdul Mateen, right? Or yeah, yeah, yes, yes not confirmed. Also. Sorry, but like the to be fair, yeah, it is one that hasn't been confirmed by a trade. Um, however, the Yaya Abdul Mateen casting i think was from the same website which is also wonder man um and it was confirmed later so anyways sorry bob odenkirk rumored to be in wonder man i'm all for it playing a wonder man's agent which is a little bit of typecasting but you know i love bob odenkirk so put him in a suit and let him be uh ari goldman <laughs> yeah i mean especially after to Degrassi, the new generation was canceled. He was going to be, you know, one of the teachers on the show. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I, I, um, I'm, I'm still thinking about like I, it was funny because I was like, what show did I watch that maybe was similar to Degrassi? And the only thing that popped in my mind was Breaker High, which I remember do. Yeah, like, I watched Breaker High uh, with uh, Ryan Gosling. So like that's like that that <laughs> my Degrassi <laughs> was Breaker High, which is a show about for uh, it 
we have any international listeners, um, which is about a group of, of high school students, you know, um, basically set on this semester on a boat and traveling to various locations and getting into hijinks and stuff like that. So, yep. Uh, anything else, Eric, before we wrap? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. Cool. 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 Well, thank you for listening or watching everyone. Uh, we really do appreciate it on next week's episode. Uh, Eric and I will talk about our LA trip. Um, I'll be gone for about a week. Eric will pop in and out of LA and then we'll talk about our experience at the glass onion premiere. Um, and what I got up to at Disneyland and the other places I, I'm going to in my LA trip. So uh, that should be fun. Uh, but we'll take a little bit of a break. But we do have uh, the Black Panther uh, Wakanda Forever spoiler free review for you guys to go listen to right now on Untitled Movie Reviews and on uh, YouTube. Uh, then on Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, our spoiler cast for uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever will also go up. Um, and then next week we'll be back with some more reviews and stuff. So um, you can check out our Glass Onion review too if you want, since we'll probably talk about the experience of seeing it for a second time, obviously. But like you can go well, check you, that you, out. Uh, it would be a, a you know two and a half, two and a half, or two and a third. Um, I don't know if I ever talked about that, but I did go watch the first 40 minutes, 30 minutes um, during TIFF again for a second time. Uh, other stuff you guys can go check out. Uh, Causeway Review, Tales of the Jedi, um, Armageddon Time, um, After Sun, The Good Nurse, uh, Black Adam, uh, Halloween Ends, Tar. Um, <laughs> please don't give me one star uh, reviews uh rosaline amsterdam uh things like that our last couple episodes we talked about is, is james james gunn the right choice for dc studios black adam super mario brothers trailer go check those out as well one-stop shop for everything head over to untitled underscore movies over on letterboxd and you can follow me on all those social medias uh hopefully still twitter uh, by next week but at matt Rohrbeck. who knows uh, and I'm Eric March, and you can find more of my video reviews on rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Jerry Butler in car.